fight with the people. Lord, those who are here tonight, Lord, who may be walking in trials and desert places in their life, we thank you for breathing fresh life upon them tonight. That they may awaken and walk afresh and anew with you, Father. As we bless you, as we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We praise you, Lord. Would you turn to somebody next to you? Just shake their hand and hug their necks. Tell them, I'm glad to see you tonight. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Awaken the soul. Let the praises arise from God's holy people. Oh, let praise arise. Let praise arise. Let praise arise. Let praise arise. My peanut brother. Peanut butter. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. Awaken, awaken my soul. Hallelujah. We want to welcome you tonight. We bless you in the precious name of Jesus. Would you mind if we just, for this morning, once again, we have seen all the people that came up and just gave their lives to Jesus. Can we give the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, another... We thank you, Jesus. It is so awesome. And Lord knows our heart. We don't take it for granted. Every life, every tear. Oh, what, what happened, what's been happening is just so awesome. We're thankful for it. I uh, want to announce, uh, I don't have any announcements in front of me, but I do want to announce that um, next Sunday night, service will be canceled. What we're trying to do is every time there's a holiday, if we cancel the service, it gives the, all the volunteers which... If I'd have everybody standing up, we have so many volunteers and workers, and it gives them a, a weekend to be with their family and spend more time. And so we try to give everybody a break when we can. So this next Sunday, which is Labor Day weekend, we will not be having Sunday night service so everybody can just spend time with their family and have an awesome time. Uh, the 11th, uh, we're having our men's meeting. at 6.30. We'll be meeting here. And I just want to encourage you men that if there's something that you'd like us to speak about, a subject, something that's been on your heart, you don't even have to put your name on it. You could drop it in the boxes in the back or you could email us and we'll try to get some studies done and have some time to share and then let others jump on in the conversation and have an awesome time. So I want to just announce that and uh, get the bulletin. Like I said, I don't have any announcements in front of me, but you can get the, the bulletin for the month and see what's on there. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 29, I want to read a scripture to you. First, I said Corinthians, I'm sorry. First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 29. Verse 9, I'm going to be reading the message translation. First Chronicles 29, you could sit, sense this atmosphere here tonight. And I love the message translation, that's why I'm going to read it, because you wonder, you know, why is all this noise? What's all this excitement about? It says here, and the people were full of a sense of celebration. Can I hear an amen? The people were full of a sense of celebration. And that's what we want to have with us all the time. And it says, all that giving and all... All giving willingly, freely, King David was exuberant. David blessed God in view of the entire congregation. 
And this is what David said, and this is what we were singing in these songs tonight. Blessed are you, O God of Israel, our Father, from of old and forever. To you, O God, belongs the greatness and the might. So many people say, you know, Pastor, I don't know how to worship. You tell us to go home and worship. You tell us to go home and pray. You tell us to go home and praise. Well, so many times I share with you, the book of Psalms is a book of prayers and a book of songs. But if you take 1 Chronicles 29 and you would just go, Father, I bless your holy name. And, and to you, O Lord, belong the greatness. How great, we sing that song, how great is our God. To you belong the greatness and the might, the glory, the victory, the majesty, and the splendor. You just take those songs right there and just, God loves to be praised. He loves to be bragged about. Paul says, I'm going to make my boast in thee, O Lord. You are splendor. You are victorious. You are mighty. You are majestic. You are glorious. Yes, everything in heaven and everything on earth, the kingdom's all yours. You've raised yourself high above all. Riches and glory come from you, and you're the ruler over all. You hold strength and power in the palm of your hand to build up and to strengthen all. And here we are, oh God, our God, my God. I'm giving thanks to you, and I'm praising your splendid name. Boy, I tell you, that will just roll off your tongue and out of your spirit. You may say, I don't know how to praise God. Well, tonight you do. I praise your splendid name. Just praise you, Lord. Here we are giving thanks to you. But me, who am I, David said? And who are all these my people that we should presume to give something to you? Everything comes from you. And all we're doing is giving back what we've been given from your generous hand. And it just goes on and praise the Lord. But I just wanted to give you these words you say, what can I meditate on? Let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And you can never go wrong meditating upon the majestic, victorious power, the splendor of your name. I praise you, Jehovah Rapha, that you are my healer, that you heal all my sickness and diseases. I praise you that in your hand is power to save it. I'm in the palm of your hand and my family. I praise you as we go on a trip that we are in the palm of your hand for safekeeping. I thank you that your hand is victorious over our nation and you could just take this little portion of scriptures right here and just worship the king and tell him what he desires to hear you know he desires for you to praise it says praises is lovely on him and it's lovely on you and as you praise him you build a throne that he reigns from in the midst of your presence so i want to encourage you don't let a day go by where you praise the splendor of his name his strength his majesty his power the world can talk about nuclear power and and military power and economic power and they talk about all these different powers and they talk about that so strongly and so confidently how much more should we be praising the strength and the power of the name of our God? And do you know, as you praise Him like this, faith arises in your heart. And what was pushing you down, He will push back. And He will be the God in the midst of thee who is mighty, splendid, and praiseworthy. Amen. So with us, just come forward. We're going to receive uh, tonight's offerings and tithe. And Lord, we bless you tonight, and we praise your splendid name. We praise you for the name of Jesus, which is the name given to us, name above all names. We praise you for the presence of the one who is victorious, who is mighty, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. We praise you, Father, for a symphony of worship and praise in this church.
church. We praise you for a sound that is echoing from this church on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights. Heartfelt worship and praise. A faith that causes the mountains to be moved. We praise you for, Lord, your people who enter in, enter in, press in to the presence of the mighty God. And may we leave here with the fragrance of you upon us in such a way that the enemy will flee before us because they can sense the presence of the Almighty. We give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you tonight.
Oh, hallelujah. Come on, praise Him. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. That was awesome. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Why, it's just awesome. <laughs> just the wonders of God, isn't it? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. What a privilege and honor to love Him. Hallelujah. Are y'all hearing echo? Yeah, quite a bit, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of echo going on. Hallelujah. Testing. That's a little bit better. Is that better? Y'all speak up. Yes. Are y'all cold? Are y'all hot? Anybody want anything to drink? No, y'all okay? All right. We'll have people in roller skates coming in here for a little bit. Want to sure you're okay? Hallelujah. Now, we're glad you're here. We want to welcome all of our visitors tonight, and we just bless you. I'm just going to share a few minutes with you tonight. Look with me in Revelations chapter 2. We've been studying on the end times, and the, I was going to be getting into the beast and all that bunch of crap, and uh, I figured, you know, I just don't feel like going there. You know, we're not going to be here, and he's going to be thrown in the pit. And why talk about a loser anyway? I don't like talking about losers. I like talking about Jesus and the church. Hallelujah. And I may talk about him later on in the future, but, you know, if we're not right, we're going to miss out on the rapture. Then you'll meet him. And you may have to take his mark. So you, you don't want to do that. So instead of spending tonight talking about him, I want to talk about the prophetic letters that were written to the seven churches on how to be prepared. You know, it's a prophetic book, and it was written to the churches then, but it's also written to the churches now. And it's written to individuals. And it's, listen, what's so important about these seven letters, it speaks about the challenges that churches and individuals go through and how to prepare for them. And so I want to share some things with you out of Revelations chapter 2. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to go through this quickly because I know you've you got to get up early and everything and want to respect the time, but we'll want to see this here. It says in verse 3, You have preserved, well, it says in verse 2, it's talking about to the church of Ephesus, I know your works, your labor, your patience. And that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have had patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. In one translation, it says, remember from the heights. The high places with God that you have fallen. Repent. Well, you've been hearing a lot about that lately, haven't you? And do the first works or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from his place. Unless you repent. And it says, but this also you have, that you hate the deeds of the Neocolations, which I also hate. So I want to go through this tonight. It's a prophetic word, corporately, individually. Things that we need to know. First of all, I want you to know that Ephesus was the second city Paul went to on his missionary journey. It was one of the wonders of the world back then. It was uh, uh, very commercial. It was very prosperous, very blessed, very idolatrous. 
but also it was growing in Christianity. The church of Ephesus had grown to 10,000 strong. 10,000 strong. And it was a church of 40 years old when Paul wrote him this letter. 40 years old, he wrote him this letter. And he wrote this letter and he says, and we're going to talk about the things he bragged about and the things he warned him about. And this is the thing that Paul, this is the sad thing about it. If you go to the church of Ephesus today, it's nothing but a heap of rocks. They didn't listen. The church didn't listen. The leaders didn't listen. And the people didn't listen. And so I believe that this is a very important letter for us to understand that it's spiritual. If Ephesus was a church that was very mature, you could read the book of Ephesians. We did a detailed study. We have the CDs and tapes of Ephesians, which we did the entire book, verse, word by word, verse by verse. And it took us uh, over a year or two or three. And uh, you could just hear about that. And it's talking about the things to be careful of. And I'm, I'm skimming through here. But it talks about in verse 3, it says, well, verse 2, it says, I know your labor... And that word labor, I want you to write this down. That word labor means constant, diligent effort. I want you to pay attention because these are things that the Holy Spirit is, is speaking. And let me just share with you before I get to it. When he talks about be careful or I will remove the lampstand, he's saying be careful about these things so I do not remove my presence from you. And you become, instead of a center of life, you become a memorial of what was. Oh, God. There was this preacher that fell and messed up and he, he had an anointed ministry and they used to, he used to introduce himself to other preachers and they go, who are you? He says, my name is Reverend so-and-so who used, to have the, who, used to had, who used to have the anointing, but I don't have it anymore. That's how he introduced himself because without the presence of God, we're nothing. But there are reasons why we lose the presence, the fire, and it's said here, the first love. And he says, you've labored, constant and diligent effort. So you need to write that down. The word labor means constant, diligent effort. The Lord loves that. And then he goes on to say, also patience. Now this word patience means being consistent under pressure. The word patience there mean, means being consistent under pressure. Not buckling up and not quitting. Just look at your and say, I'm not a quitter. I'm a laborer. I may buckle down, but I'm getting back up. Amen? And so the word patient means constant under pressure, consistent under pressure, not buckling under, not quitting, standing on the Word of God, constant under pressure, uh, constant in confession, constant in prayer, and, and faithful to church. And then he spoke to them about their doctrine was correct. That they would test something that was evil and they would call it evil and they would mark it as evil. So their doctrine was correct. And it said, but it says in verse 6, uh, I want you to see this. This is interesting here. It says, but you also have this, that you hate the deeds of the Neocolations. Now, the, th this group of people was an occult that believed that you couldn't do nothing wrong in the spirit. And so you could do anything you want to do in the flesh. And they were trying to go around, share their, their uh, convictions and their teachings about, don't worry about being restrained, just be spiritual, and the rest will take care of itself. They believed God was only concerned about the spiritual realm, so it didn't matter what we did in the natural realm. Uh, you could have many wives, you could have adultery, you could do adultery, fornication, uh, you could do all you want in the natural, 
And these people were saying that's an occult. And they were speaking it from the pulpit. And the people were saying it was a cult. But what's interesting here that we need to understand. It says, I hate their deeds. It doesn't say that he hated them. He hated their deeds and their false doctrine. But we never hate people. Even in the occult. I hate the Jehovah's Witness. No! We hate the false doctrine that they deny the truth of Christ Jesus. John chapter 1, 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and they took that out of their Bible. We hate the deeds and the doctrine, but we do not hate the people. Oh, we hate those Mormons. No, we do not hate the Mormons. We love the Mormons. We hate the doctrine from the angel of light. So there's a difference there. We have to be careful that in our zeal, it's so easy to say, I hate, I hate, but we never hate the people. I, I, I hate homosexuals. No. No, we love them. We hate the deeds and the sin, but we love them. And so we, we're, we're shown here that we can hate the deeds as God hate them, but without hating the people. And so, uh, John 7, 21, you don't have to look at it now. We don't have time. Matthew, Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew 7, 21 says, But did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do this in your name? They had the works, just like Ephesus. They had the works down, but they didn't have the first love down. And that's where we have to watch it and be very careful. Not only not to faint and to quit, but be consistent. But nevertheless, he says, I have this against you. You've left your first love. So listen. The, the consistency, the patience, the laboring, everything that Jesus mentioned that was good about the church had no value without having their first love and zeal for Jesus. We can get involved in all the works that we want to, but if we lose that first, first love, not love, say with me, first love, first love for Jesus. So I got here, how do we know we, left, we, we, we lose it? Of course, verse 5 says the candlestick would be removed. That's speaking of God's presence from a life. It means to be, it would, whatever, the, losing the first love would cost us the presence of God. And when we lose the presence of God, it opens up doors for the demonic. When we lose the presence of God, guess whose presence can come? Now, what have I taught you the last two weeks? In the rapture, the Holy Spirit and the church will be taken. No more church, no more Holy Spirit. I read scriptures to you saying that when He is gone, when He is taken, then He has taken that which He has held back, which is the Antichrist and the end times. Once the Holy Spirit and the church is taken, then that will come. Well, it's the same way. If the presence of God is missing, guess what spirit's going to take His place? So that's why we've got to be careful and keep the first love to keep the boundaries and the, the, work, uh, the work fit. And also about we've got to keep away from the workman's mentality about always being busy about work, work, work and not about relationship. We've seen a lot of people in the years in ministry that it all ends up in the road of destruction if we lose our first love. Amen. Now I want to read that scripture to you. Romans, I mean, Revelations chapter 2. I want to read the Amplified Bible. Revelations chapter 2, verse 5. In the Amplified. This is where it says from the heights. Revelations chapter 2, verse 5. The Amplified says, Remember then from, the, from what heights you have fallen. How many of you know? If you stop singing for Jesus to start singing for the world, 
You're falling from the heights. I read the other day, one of my heroes is Dr. Billy Graham. And the Republican Party back in the 70s went up to Dr. Graham and offered him to run for the presidency of the United States. And they dressed him and Dr. Billy Graham got all of excited thinking of the people he could impact and influence by being the president of our nation. And he went home to his wife and he says, Honey, guess what? They've asked me to pray about being the president of the United States of America. They said, My record's clean. My ministry's clean. And she said, It won't be after that because... And he says, Why? She says, Because I'm divorcing you. She says, He said, You're divorcing me? She said, Yes. If you can stoop from being the minister of God and stoop to being president of the United States. I wanted to marry a preacher and I'm going to be married to a preacher, not the president of this little nation. I want to be married to the man of God. And so she had a first love. And he has, he has still today, the first love. Whatever we trade our depth of relationship with is falling from the heights of the best high ecstasy glory joy peace and love that there is and he's saying here remember from the what heights you have fallen repent and it says here change the inner man to meet God's will change the inner man exactly what the occult was teaching not to worry about Change the inner man to meet God's will and do the works you did previously. Go ahead and do that when first you knew the Lord. Or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from his place unless you change your mind and repent. Now, how many of you know we don't even want to get close to that? Listen, church. I'm not scared of going to hell. But, oh, I'm fearful of losing the presence of God. I don't want to lose the presence and the relationship with the Holy Spirit. So many times we get so secure about not going to hell that we don't understand the need of the securing our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Change our heart and our mind for Him. Amen, church. And so he's talking here about go back to where you lost your first love. And so, you know, I just want to spend a few minutes on this tonight about your first love when you fell in love with your wife. Hopefully you married your first love. If you didn't, I know you still regret it. But let's talk about, because the Bible talks about the marriage being like the church. And so I dug out, we have a leather pouch that we have had well, for over 30, I've had over 30 years. And uh, we, we keep all our old love letters. And I pulled some out. And it was so funny. I pulled one out. And she had put the date. She had wrote. We, I got a pile of letter, love letters that big in that pouch. Then we have in envelopes. And we got pictures and stuff. Anyway, I pulled out one of the old love letters. And it had the date. November 1979. I said, honey, this is an antique. <laughs> but in that love letter, she mentioned about wanting to have three children. And she mentioned Cody. And then uh, instead of Brandon, she said Brandy. Bradley and then another one and it's amazing how they all came out a lot like what she said she desired and that was in 1979 but anyway she was writing these letters and, and, and going back and reading them and you know when, when you have that first love in one of the letters she, I had just dropped her off on a Wednesday night after church she, she had school the next day she went in the bedroom and I was not even home yet and she was writing a love letter to me after I had just dropped her off on Wednesday night, saying, I can't wait 
to see you again Friday and, and wonder what we're going to do. Now, some of you are looking at that is sick. <laughs> but it's lasted all of these years. And we still have them love letters right there in our nightstand and we read them and reread them and we got all kind of different other stuff in a cedar chest and all that. And you read those letters and, and it's all that excitement about, I might you might have just dropped me off, but I can't wait to see you again in just a few days and I'm already excited. What are we going to do? And all the different loves you and cartoons and she did all kind of stuff. She even had special folding that she would do on those love letters. If you'd see mine, oh God. But you read my letters to her and her letters to me. And the thing about it is we still feel those same way. We don't act that silly. But she's still silly about me. <laughs> but like on my cell phone, I got pictures of her. And we had three albums when we were dating. And she, has a, she had a picture of me about that, that big. And then I'd have a picture of her about that big. And my grandmother used to call my bedroom the Shrine of Cindy. <laughs> but shoot, she's a pretty girl. I fell head over, heel, head over heels for her. And when you have that first love, it's like you can't think of nothing else but them. I hope you've had this. And I hope you've had it and I hope you have this. Well, you can't think of nothing else but them. I had someone I knew very close that my dad married that they would brag about their separate vacations. He'd go here for a week or two. She'd go there for a week or two. And they did it every year. And it's like we would talk to each other. We couldn't understand that. I don't want to go nowhere without you. And I don't want to go nowhere without you. And sure enough, they ended up divorced. And you start seeing these telltale signs that something is lifting. You're, 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 you're falling from the heights of where you came from. And it's work to keep a marriage going. But the thing about it is, is that when you have that first love and you, you've been together and you love each other. And maybe your first love wasn't, wasn't the right one. But it doesn't mean you can't have it now. You can't make it work now. Or maybe some of y'all are single and you're believing God for a first love. Well, God bless you. And I, and I pray you find it again. Maybe, maybe there's more than one true love. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can find the fifth. God bless you. Or the fourth or the third or whatever. But I pray that you find it. But the thing about it is, is that going back to that first love. And you know, when you fall in that first love, I'm just going to be real with you tonight. You know, I was country and she was city. I lived in Ville Platte. And she was from Baker, Louisiana. And you know... She started trying to train me how to comb my hair right. She says, babe, won't you try this instead of this? Well, I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, but won't you try this? Okay. And then she started buying me a new type of shirts and a new belt and a new belt buckle and helped me pick out a new pair of boots. I couldn't wear the old boots like I used to wear. And my, I had to get a different type of hat. had to, diff, had to get a different type of hat band, a different type of feather in my hat. Uh, you know, all these things started changing. And, and I didn't mind. Because she would go, oh, that looks good. Oh, yeah, I like that. And then, you know, you take more time. In, how many know when you have that first love, you take more time in the mirror? I see it with my boys. When you have that, they have that first love, when, when they, they think they're in love, they spend more time in the mirror. Before they had a girl, before they were interested in girls, we had to make them bathe. <laughs> After a girl, they bathe two, three times a day. And, and, and other things, but, you know, my boys are in here, so I don't want to go into detail. I don't want to embarrass them or nothing like that. I'm proud of them, but I'll, so I'll talk about me. You know, when you, fall, when you have that first love, you, you brush your teeth. You quit dipping. 
You don't want none of that bad stuff anymore, you know? You want her to kiss you. I never dipped, but I'm just saying, you know? Uh, you, you start brushing your teeth. You want to start smelling good. You want to start looking better. You really start caring about your appearance. And the truth is, you should never stop, and we've never stopped, and you shouldn't stop caring about your appearance. A lot of people get married, and then they let it go. They go this way, and they go that way, and they go all kind of ways. But the thing about it is, is you, some people, you know, I'm happy. But you were happy when you were in first love, and you were taking care of yourself because you wanted them to look at you and go over you. They were constantly on your mind. You couldn't get with them enough. You couldn't go somewhere with them enough. You couldn't get to their house enough. I got to tell you the truth. I had a Centurion, a Buick Centurion, with a 455 horsepower engine and a four-barrel Holly carburetor. And there's a road called Bel Air Cove Road in Ville Platte. And I could hit those curves 90 miles an hour because my curfew was 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, my daddy, I was 17 and my daddy still made me get home at 10. But anyway, my curfew was 10 o'clock at night. And so it, took, it would usually take a normal person about 40 minutes to get home. But I was going to make it in 15 to 20 every time. And you could hear that Holly carburetor and that car. And I turned over. And they had little wooden bridges. And and I had trouble keeping tires on that car. But I was going to make it home in 20 minutes because that meant 15 more minutes of holding her hand. Not kissing, holding her hand. It was worth taking the chance and getting in a wreck. That gas needle would go like that. But it was worth it all because I wanted to spend just a little bit more time. And I couldn't wait to get to the next time. And my dad would say, son, you're spending all your work money, you're working so hard, and you spend all your money going to gas and taking that little girl out. Oh, yeah, but dad, it's worth it. Can you lend me five? I need five more dollars. <laughs> Listen, I wouldn't have a spare, I wouldn't have a spare tire. Wouldn't matter. I'm going without a spare. And I got caught one night without a spare, and I got punished for two weeks because I got home. I didn't have a spare, so I didn't get home on time. But what I'm telling you, when you have that first love, you throw caution many times to the wind. You do anything to be with that person. You just love being with that person, thinking about that person. You get with your buddies. And they start looking. Here it goes. Cindy, 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 Cindy. And then they go, you know, you, you, you bought that new tent. This is what happened to me. You bought that new tent. I had a new cabin tent and guns and all. You used to go hunting all the time with us. And now you haven't even gone hunting once this year. I said, well, it's either be with y'all. I'll be with her. Guess where I wanted to be? I wanted to be with her. I still want to be with her. After over 27 years. I still think about her. I still have her pictures. Even in the shed, I've got her pictures. In the office. She's that beautiful girl I fell in love with in 1978. First love. How can we not compare that to Jesus? I wouldn't dare thinking, honey, or, or back then, Cindy, I'm not going to come take you out Friday night. I think I'm going to be with the guys. I wouldn't even, that wasn't even a choice. 
But how many times do we make this a choice? Getting the right tapes to put in the tape player or a few eight tracks we had too. Had everything set up, going to make the mood. Going to put Willie and Waylon on. Going to make the mood. Plug it in the cigarette lighter and put Willie and Waylon on and Jesse Coulter sing a few songs there. Put another log on the fire. Cook me up some bacon and some beans. <laughs> Got to make the mood. But all that type of stuff. Y'all remember K-Tail, Casey Kasem, Top 40, all that stuff. Get it all right. Do you know what? I still make it all right with my time with Jesus. The right CDs, the right books. Fasting. Can't ever quit fasting. Because that's a special eating with Jesus. And not only that, but listen to teaching while I'm even taking a shower or a bath. Some time alone. So I'm going to put on a teaching. I'm going to listen to teaching while I'm taking a bath. Because I may be alone with my, uh, from my family, but I'm not alone. I have Jesus right here. And I want to listen to his word. Am I still in love with Jesus like that to where I want to hear, I want to hear his voice? I want to hear about his word. I want to hear about his life. I want to hear about his ministry. I want to put those songs on that sing to him and I can sing along with him. Do I still have those feelings? Am I excited about going to church to his house? Am I excited about going on Tuesday night to prayer and know that I'm interceding for what touches his heart? Am I excited about singing to him and I'm singing to him like we used to serenade our girlfriends? I'm raising my hands to him like I used to hold her hand. I'm hugging him like I used to hug her. We start singing these songs and some people talk about these songs we sing and some of them use the word kissing and embracing and they go, boy, that, that, that's getting a mushy, uh, mushy worship there. But the thing about it is that it's trying to bring the church back to its first love, to, to, to ignite something on the inside of us, to have, to fall in love and to where I don't want to spend some, I don't want to spend a day without getting in your presence and feeling you speak to me and feeling your love and knowing your love for me that no matter what, you're there for me. And I can't wait to get in your presence to say, Jesus. Jesus, to speak your name, Jesus, the most beautiful name that I know. And just say, Jesus, I love you. And how awesome is your name and how awesome is your spirit and your presence and how glorious is your word. And just to spend that time with him. And, and even though I have served my Jesus since June of 1969, I still can't help but times get before him and weep in his presence and call out to him and cry out to him and tell him how much I love him because I love him like I loved him then. It means more to me now than he's ever meant to me before. And I can't get by. And I tell the guys, I'm going to preach a, a shorter message on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and Sunday night, like I told you tonight, and it's already 7.15. I want to pre I, I'll preach one of my old messages, and I won't worry about spending a whole lot of time studying, and maybe I'll have more time to do this. But th there's something inside of me that says, you're not going to give me your best. You're not going to look for something fresh for my people. You, you, you're going to go ahead and do what others are saying they're doing, digging out old stuff. How about digging some new stuff out for them? 
Do you love me enough to study? Do you love me enough to investigate? Do you love me enough to spend hours before me? Twelve hours, my brother, and getting just a Sunday school lesson. And why are you going to spend twelve hours and just getting a Sunday school lesson? It's because it's about my Jesus. And it interests me. And it interests Him. And it's about the kingdom. It's about the first love. That's why. Why do you go to, why do you work in Sunday school? Why do you work in the sound? Why do you work with the computers? Why do you work with the cameras? When you talk to these ladies and gentlemen, when you talk to them about their different ministries and you hear the excitement like Bob and so many others about the camera and the sound and the internet and how many we had and this and that and the other there's so much enthusiasm zeal and excitement why because there is a first love there there's a passion and an excitement and that's what this church lost this church he was saying you're losing that first love you can do without being with me to be feeding the poor you can be doing good deeds and spending hours laying hands on the sick and praying, but you won't spend one day a week fasting and laying before me, just me and you. You can do these works and you can labor and you can stand all the different trials and temptations and you don't, can't stand false doctrines. And I, I, I commend you in many areas, but how about what you feel towards me? Where is the feeling? Do you feel me? The Holy Spirit comes in the room. Do you feel me? He's touchable. It's a tangible anointing. And so we get concerned about the other person we fall in love with more than self-concerned. An overwhelming desire to please them more than please ourselves. You remember that? Overwhelming desire to please them more than please ourselves. How many of you, before you met that first love, you didn't care much about talking on the telephone? Couldn't stand talking on the telephone. But once you had that love, we were only um, allowed 15 minutes twice a day to talk on the phone. My dad was real strict. He was a pastor. And boy, those 15 minutes counted. But you know what? When mom and daddy lied, I mean, when mom and daddy was gone, uh, when mom and daddy was gone, I was willing to face purgatory <laughs> to talk a little bit more on the telephone with mom and daddy's not here. Is it? Can we talk? It was worth it, worth it all just for a little bit more time to hear the voice. Priorities change. Concerns of life change. Does Jesus hold type pro top priority in my life? Or does my family hold top priority? Does my job, sports, what holds top priority? It's not in the work what you do. It's in the atmosphere of love that you give in spending time and sacrifice and being concerned about Him. Look at your relationship with Jesus and you'll know what's your first love or not. Passion for Jesus. Thinking of him often. Is he, is he in your conversation every day? Do you love to talk about Jesus? Do you love to talk about his word? No longer dependent on him. I call him when I need him. That's the sign you've lost your first love. Why must we be careful when he uses us for his glory? Success increases and comes. We have to be careful that we stay dependent on Him no matter what. 
Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 20, we won't go there, but it says when you have all the blessings, when you get in the land, you have all the blessings, be careful that you do not lose your first love. Be careful that you forget me, the God who gave you these things. Waiting to get bailed out, expecting God to get bailed out, bail us out because that's what he's supposed to do. And then once he bails us out, it's amazing in marriage counseling, and my wife could tell you a lot more because she does it a whole lot more than I do now, but uh, it's amazing that when they call crying and saying, my wife has left me, can you please meet with us? You meet with them. And these are cases I've, I've dealt with in the past. And you meet with them. and Boy, they're very serious about doing everything they can. Are you willing to do everything to get her back? Oh, I'm going to do everything I need to to get her back. Okay, well, let's talk. And then they get them back. And then they calm down. Because they got bailed out. Spent a little bit of time in jail. In prison. But it wasn't enough to wake them up to want to change for the rest of their life and keep it going. My wife would leave me and come back, which don't. <laughs> Gotta get you. The day she comes back, she'd get flowers on that day every week, every month. No. <laughs> now I'll buy, you, I'll buy you plants now. Brother Floyd gives us watermelons. But you celebrate, you celebrate. You do everything and then celebrate about how you got them back and how you kept them and how you want to keep them and you do everything you can to keep them and everything to keep them feeling like their, their marriage is secure and they're secure and I love you and honey, I'm so sorry for the way I used to be but I'm going to change and I'm going to be for the better. And we tell them all that and sometimes they make it work. Sometimes they don't make it work. But it's the same thing in the body of Christ. God, if, if you forgive me this one more time, I'm going to serve you. You're on the airplane. You're in a car. It looks like you're going to wreck. You need a job. They're, they're, they're coming to take your refrigerator. They're taking your washing machine away. They're saying they're getting ready to lay off people. Lord, I repent right now for all of my sins. I need my job, Father. Boy, we get serious then. But then when we get our security, do we pray with the same fervency? That we do before he bailed us out. It's so easy to get comfortable and relaxed. So easy to get independent. He says in verse 5, repent, turn it around. Turn it around and do the first thing first. Don't go to the hospital first. Get on your knees and spend time with me. Because if you go to the hospital without spending time with me, you're going to give them of yourself and that won't do anything. But if you receive of me, then go and give them of me. Then they'll receive of me and they'll be healed. They'll be touched. Don't do the works first. Do the work of being with me first. Then the works will follow in my name. Lord, give me passion for souls. We pray that. Give me passion for souls. Give me passion for souls and we need to. But how many of you know that if we have a passion for Jesus, we will have a passion for the things that Jesus has a passion for. It will come. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Amen? Just remember the things that ignited the love in the first time, in the first place, and the things that used to make you feel so happy and secure. And I wanna, I'll finish John chapter 8. Jesus 
had to keep care of his relationship with the Father. And I want to show you here in John chapter 8. Jesus maintained his relationship with the Father. And if he maintained his relationship with the Father, we must too. John chapter 8 verse 16. John chapter 8 verse 16. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone. Say that with me. For I am not alone. You need to underline that. Because I'm going to tell you something here. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who has sent me. I'm going to get, he's going to say this again. Now listen to this. When Adam was created by God, God said it's not good for Adam to be alone. I'm going to create a helpmate. The helpmate was supposed to be able to help Adam keep the evil out of the garden. Jesus says, it's not good that I am alone. I am with the Father. Because as long as I am with the Father, the Father and I are going to keep the evil one out. As long as I am in that first love and that relationship with Jesus, we are going to keep the evil one out. Jump down to verse 29. It says, And he who has sent me is with me. The Father has, listen, here it is again, not left me alone. For I always do those things that please Him. It's a joint relationship. It's a focus on the relationship with the Father. Jesus always had His focus on the Father. And by being joined together and being focused on the Father, we're able to stand against the assaults of the enemy. We're supposed, we can focus together. We can stay close. We can keep intense. And we can keep the enemy out of our life. And out of our future. But I've got to understand. I am not supposed to do it alone. And if I stay away from church. If I quit reading the Bible. If I quit worship. If I keep quit fasting. If I quit praying. Then I am alone. And I cannot say the Father is with me. Because Jesus said. If you lose your first love. The candle will go out. My presence will be lifted. The glory will be lifted. And Moses wanted the glory so bad, he says, oh no, if you take the glory, just go ahead and kill me now. If your presence don't go with us, I'm not even going. No, Moses, you and I, we're going to go. No, let me die with the people if I can't have your presence. That Moses had first love. David had first love. And we want to be a church that has first love. Let's stand. Father, we come before you tonight and we rededicate our lives to you. We need you, Holy Spirit. How we need you. As David cried out, take not your presence away from me. Renew a right heart. Renew a right spirit. Work on my inner man. That I may say like Christ, I am not alone. But Christ lives in me. And I abide in him. Lord, you spoke so much about the, there's only life as long as we abide in the vine. 
And abiding in that vine is having that first love to, re- to be connected to you and receive from you in all that we do. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to work for your kingdom and minister and meet the needs of others. But, Lord, may we always see that the first letter you wrote was about don't get, in, don't get into the workman's mentality. Stay in the worship mentality. Stay in my word mentality. Stay in a presence mentality. Lord, help us to renew that right heart, that first love, to stir up, to walk with you. And Lord, I pray for this church that even though many times many hear the same scriptures they've always heard all their life, can't ever get tired of hearing anything from your word. Over and over again. May it continue to be sweet as honey to our mouth. May explode within our bodies as life. May we always be raptured in your presence of just being able to worship and praise you. That your love is sweeter than the love of anything. Lord, tonight we repent. And we turn our hearts from those things that have taken us away from you. And Holy Spirit, help us and show us the areas that we have gotten weak in personally. So we can stop falling from the heights of your glory. And be reestablished in your love and your glory. We pray and we ask this. And if you accepted this prayer, would you just raise your hands towards the Lord. Just raise your hands towards the Father. And accept this prayer for you. I desire your presence. I don't want to lose your presence. I repent for growing cold, different, independent, self-sufficient, self-seeking. And not being more seeking you. Father, I feel like you're bringing the church into a... A place where it's supposed to be. Thank you for maturing us and maturing us in our love walk with you. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name and every head is bowed and every eye closed. And before I dismiss, you can put your hands down. Before I dismiss, if you are here tonight and you say, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If I would die tonight, I don't know whether I would go to heaven or hell. I cannot truly say if my sins are forgiven or not. If that's you, would you raise your hand if you want to know and get it right with God tonight. To know, to know that you know that your sins are forgiven. Raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? I want to know that my sins are forgiven. Anyone else? Raise your hand real high. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? I want to get my life right with Christ tonight. I want to be ready at any time that when that trumpet blows, I'm ready to go. Anybody at all? Anybody else? Would you come, brother? Let me pray with you. My little brother, would you come and let me pray as you come and rededicate your lives to the Lord? Both of my brothers are new. Just accepted the Lord not long ago. But we, can, we ought to come to the altar all we want. And just close your eyes and keep praying. Just continue to come to the altar. Y'all ready to get it right? We all want to get it right. 
that first love. That's the only way we can get out of some things and get into what we need to get into is that first love. So I'm going to pray for you guys. Father, I thank you for my brothers. I thank you for them coming up here tonight, denying themselves and coming, and I pray for a fresh baptism over them. That they be submerged in your presence and with your peace and with your love. That a peace will pass their understanding. And Lord, even in the times where we're weak, the times we fall, the times we feel insufficient, I pray that your grace come upon them. Your favor, your loving kindness, and your mercy will come upon them and lift them up and walk with them and keep them up even in the midst of the storm. I come against the work of the enemy that would try to steal, kill, and destroy. I pray over these lives that they be dedicated for your glory. That you will use them and you will nourish them. I pray for their growth. Lord, I just thank you right now for maintaining them in the midst of their battles. And Lord, I just thank you for giving them strength when they feel their weakest. May your strength come upon them to where they can feel their strongest. I pray strength within these young men and even those in this body tonight. I pray, I pray for the spirit of might. The spirit of might. That it will come upon each and every one of us here tonight. That when we feel our weakest, we can feel your strength and your power and stand in that of your might. Thank you that in your might, nothing is equal to your might when it is upon us and in us. Nothing can withstand and bring us down when it's your strength and might sound on the inside of us. We thank you for that right now. And I thank you for the strength of the Lord within them. To stand strong and secure. And I bless them. And I bless your body tonight. And we pray in Jesus name. Amen. amen. And amen. God bless you my brother. God bless you brother. Hallelujah. Bless you man. Proud of you. Proud of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well are you blessed? Are we in love with Jesus? Or are we in love with Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, listen, I the, the Spirit of God challenged us tonight with letter number one. There's six more letters. Maybe when we get through with six all letters, maybe the trumpet will sound. But we're going to be ready now. Amen. Tuesday night is intercession. Wednesday night, discipleship. And listen, we love you and we bless you. You have a great week. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. Amen.